Continue praying for those who have been sick. They're still, uh, we were getting texts this morning, texts and phone calls, letting us know folks that wouldn't be here. Uh, It's going around. So uh, I'd say be careful on your handshake time and make free use of the sanitizing uh, stations out there in the foyer. And uh, oh well, it's that time of year. My wife's telling me this morning she remembers teaching the same lesson she's teaching this morning a couple of years ago, and she had the same voice she had then. She's got it now. You know that. So who is this? <laughs> this is Jesus. Okay. So yeah, sounded creepy that way. Anyways, so Matthew in chapter eight. <clears throat> Matthew in chapter eight. This is a. a Well, let's just read it. Verse 18 is where we are. Verse 18. Matthew chapter 8 and verse verse 18. Now, when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave commandment to depart unto the other side. And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And another of his disciples said, now don't read this as one of the twelve, okay? There were many people called disciples at that time, okay? The people that were listening to him teach and were adopting the things that he was teaching, okay? So verse 21, another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first, to go, bury, to go and bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, Follow me, and let the dead bury their dead. That sounds a little, uh, it sounds a little harsh from Jesus, this couple of statements, doesn't it? I mean, think about it. Uh, hey, I want to come with you. Well, you can. I ain't got no money. Okay. Well, can, can I go back home and, and bury my father first? Now, you have to understand in the context that we're allowed to understand that his father wasn't dead yet, most likely. Okay, the Jews had a, the Jews had a, uh, well, hold on, let me just pause here, I'm going to start preaching. So probably what we ought to do is pray, and then have you be seated until you get up standing long, and you should. So let's pray. Father, Lord, I pray that you would bless, as we look at this passage this morning, that you'd be honored in it, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So this is just, uh, what Matthew is giving us here is just kind of a, a microcosm of things that Jesus was dealing with constantly, okay? He really is using this kind of as a, an illustrative of things that were happening around Jesus several times. And even it could be that one of these was the 12, the end here, uh, but how Jesus responds is very, it's interesting. So this is a scribe. Of course, you remember what a scribe is, is one of those who constantly reads the law, studies the law, and uh, tries to help people understand the law. And he's been hearing Jesus, and evidently a lot of stuff is, that Jesus is saying is making sense to him and he's, how he's been reading the Old Testament. And so he just wants to hear more, but there's, it's a little bit more than that. And then we got this idea, too, that the, one of his disciples has the same intent. He wants to be with him and follow him, but he wants to take care of some other things first. And so what we have here is not just your normal disciple, okay? This isn't just a normal group of people who are saying, 
I'm going to follow the teachings of Jesus, or I'm going to show up. These are, these are a couple of examples of people who are wanting to be in Jesus' ministry. Okay? They're wanting to minister to him and with him in his work. Now, there are many other disciples who are willing to hear. I'm thinking of like Mary and Martha. Uh, you cannot say that Mary and Martha were not disciples of Jesus, but they didn't leave their home and wander around following Jesus all the time. They stayed where they had to, do, to take care of things, and sometimes they showed up where Jesus was, sometimes not. That's why Jesus would show up at their house. Okay? So it's, we're beyond here now just the, the, normal, the normal people who are, they accept the teachings of Jesus and they believe the teaching of Jesus. We're getting into a different realm. We're getting into people who are wanting to minister with him. Okay? Is everybody here? Come on now, dial in. We ain't going to be here that long. I need you, if you're coming to church, you might as well dial in. Might as well pay attention while you're here. Otherwise, what's the point? Okay? This is people, let, let's just, I'll just put it plainly. This is people who are, they want to be in ministry. That's what they, they want to be in ministry. Okay? Then this is, this is the whole point. Now, Jesus deals with them both kind of roughly. I mean, a little bit harshly. So they're, they're wanting to become a part of Jesus' daily ministry. And we'll just kinda, I'll just kind of go over this a little bit here. I won't spend too much time because I think you all generally get the point. But So the scribe comes. He says, man, master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. He's like, I just want more of this. This is awesome. And then Jesus brings up evidently the one thing that the scribe might have a problem with about serving with Jesus. It ain't about money. Now, are there, is there anything wrong with making money? No, there are many people in the Bible that are rich. There's nothing wrong with being rich. Um, there's not, nothing wrong with, matter of fact, there's nothing wrong with seeking to make sure that you have plenty of money as long as it doesn't become your God. Okay? People say money is the root of all evil. That's not what the Bible says. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is a tool. Uh, you use money, and there are people who are, God has chosen to bless them with lots of money, and they use it wisely. There's other people who have lots of money, and they use it unwisely. There are some people that don't have money, and they use that wisely. There are some people that don't have money, and they use that unwisely. You, you hear the picture? Do you hear the difference? Don't think there's something wrong with having money in the bank or having extra money. Uh, man, I'm thinking about uh, those, was it was J.C. Penny, I think it was that committed to give 90% of his income to Jesus and live on the 10%? I think it was the guy that started J.C. Penney stores. And that's just astounding. And he was able to do that. Just, and we don't have time to go back to that. So there's nothing wrong with money. But the difference, and Jesus isn't saying there's no money in the ministry. That's not what he's saying here either. Okay, because there are. There, if, if you put a, uh, according to the way the Bible teaches, that a pastor gets paid and things like that, you put a pastor in a community where most of the community are high wage earners, high net worth, the pastor's pay is naturally going to be greater than someone who might live in the cornfields of Iowa. Okay? There's nothing wrong with that. It's not, we're not talking about an amount here. And the reason we know that is because the story's not done yet. Okay? But what Jesus is telling him, he says, you know, the foxes have a home, the birds have a home, but I don't. And it's true. Jesus did not have a home, did he? He just 
kept wandering around. What's interesting is uh, when Jesus was crucified, the cloak that he wore was a cloak. We don't know how he got it, but it's honestly only worn by some of the wealthiest people of that day. Maybe it was given to him. I don't know. I've, I've been in the ministry now this year, I think 30, 35 years. Yeah, I think 35 years. And I have been given some suits that I could never afford to buy. Like, pretty cool. Like, I don't like wearing one. You look in here and you go, check that out. Guys that know suits, you know, and you start saying, Hart Schaffner and Marx, you know. Where did you get that? Well, I didn't buy it. <laughs> but there's, there's some of the blessings of ministry. But let's keep the story going here. He's not saying that, well, there's no money in ministry. Let's keep, let's keep following it through here, all right? Because he continues, because another disciple says, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Now, it could be that his father had just passed away. The, the more likely scenario is, and, and honestly, I, uh, I, I cannot say this for sure, but reading through all the, all the people who are historians, who know about the time and know about the, 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 the usage of the language here, the idea is that the Jews did not believe that a person was completely free to do his own thing until he had buried his parents. Okay? So once he had buried his parents, he then, he then was free of other responsibilities and could choose his own pathway. Until that point, he had to make sure that he was tied enough to his parents to be able to take care of them. Okay, so what are we talking about? We're talking about competing priorities. Okay, it was a Jewish tradition. Is there anything wrong? We've asked the question, is there anything wrong with making money? No. Is there anything wrong with taking care of your parents? No. But here's what Jesus is trying to say. Listen, if you're going to come join the ministry that I have, it comes first. It comes first. Well, all Christians should make Jesus first. Oh, I completely agree. This is saying, if you, if you have a desire to join ministry and you're going to get into ministry, uh, you get into a situation where it's ministry or extended family, Guess which gets first choice? Ministry. Well, you know, if we get into a choice now, I can do ministry or I can make money. Guess what, makes, guess what comes first? Ministry. I, I'm, I'm just telling you, there, there's uh, got a preacher runs into a financial problem. There's maybe some options, maybe not. But a job should never come before ministry. Money-making should never come before ministry. A preacher should give his... Uh, someone who is called to ministry. And it's not always just a preacher. Someone who is called to ministry. I mean, how do you think it feels for missionaries when they're called to go to another country? What comes first? Ministry. I, I, I'm even of the point... I, and I, I, I'm in one of those... Uh, What do you call it? It's almost uh, where, your, where your brain competes against itself. If God has called you to minister to someone in another country, um, do I get to choose when that quits because of the circumstances that I don't like? That, do you know what I'm saying? I, there, there's a question there. There really is. Now, the, the one, and I want to be careful here because the Bible is very clear that every man has a di- very direct responsibility to his immediate family. Okay? 
that there, there are responsibilities as a husband and father that are clear as a bell in Scripture. And nowhere do I see in Scripture those things being superseded by ministry. Just don't see it. And it's interesting here that, that both of, the, both of the, the pathways that Jesus has chosen to give to us through the inspiration of Scripture is the making of money. I'm just going to tell you, that there, I, I've watched my parents go through, I don't know how many years of ministry, and now 35 years of ministry myself. It's not a money-making business. Brother Chester, you know what I'm talking about? There's, I'm just telling you, the temptation as a preacher sometimes to say, you know, I really would just like to quit this and go get a real job for like maybe five years, put some money in the bank, and then come back to do this. And God says, right, and what did I call you to do? Yes, sir. I, I, don't, know how to, I don't know how to explain this. I, I have... Just, I'll just tell you, I've been, I've been upset with the Lord a few times about sitting with retired pastors. And I'm talking about they have worked till they just can't work anymore. I'm talking they've, they have, they have invested themselves in ministry until there's nothing left to give ministry-wise. Okay? And I, I remember sitting with, with uh, Brother Maddox. And I love the Maddox. I, I, you remember the Maddoxes? <clears throat> Preacher, he was, a, he was a member. He retired and passed away at the church where we, I was an assistant pastor. He was a blessing. We loved to talk to him about things we had preached on and passages. And he would come up and say, he's the one that said, you need to preach on Psalm 119. I love the way you cover this stuff. I want to hear how you cover Psalm 119. I actually started preaching on Psalm 119 because of the conversation with Brother Maddox. Just because he wanted to hear it. But this constant, and then ended up, ended up sitting with him as he's passing away in his little bitty house. He's covered up with blankets. He had to work a security job into his 80s because he had bills to pay and had been suckered into the, the whole realm of everyone backing out of Social Security back in the day. And uh, as we sat there and talked, he was worried about what he had to leave behind and it was his toolbox. And I remember looking at the Lord saying, Lord, that ain't right. Why, why should that be that way? Do you ever hear what I'm saying? And we look at it and say, oh my goodness, yeah, he should have been better with his money. Maybe he was good with his money. But money wasn't the priority. Ministry was. Jesus says, you want to come follow me? Making money is going to have to get pushed aside. Concerns about money are going to have to get... doesn't mean you'd be a bad steward. You should be a good steward. We all should be good stewards. Amen. But if you're going to get distracted by whether or not you've got enough in the bank or whether or not you can do like for Christmas like everybody else does or whether you can you know, have a savings, if you're going to keep getting distracted like that, you might as well just go get a job. Do that. That, do, do you hear me? You hear me? And then we got this other fellow. Think about going and burying your parents. I'm telling you, I, I cried like a baby driving back at about the same place in Iowa both times. 
I get a call that my parents have passed away. Did I want to be there? Well, duh. I knew what both my parents would say. Because they're in ministry. But Tim, you got a ministry. You got people you need to serve. You're doing what you're supposed to do. Go back and see my in-laws. Watch my, watch my father-in-law decay. I'm thankful for a brother-in-law who's stepping up to the plate and trying to take care of him. But my, my home's not in Kentucky. My home's not in Michigan. Do you hear what I'm saying? Doesn't mean I don't care about it. I think about the Shrope family. We support them out in, and I, I know I've talked about them a good bit, but they're dear friends, so I know them a little better, but they're out in Australia. And I'm talking about tight-knit, tight-knit family. I mean, all extended family. If they're, if, if they're going to go out in Christmas lights, it's going to be 14 cars. All <laughs> They're going to go to a restaurant, they're going to take out half the restaurant. I mean, they're, they're, they're a very tight-knit family, and God calls them out. And to this day, you go, watch, you go watch the live stream where his parents go to church and you'll watch them walk out here, look back at the camera and wave because they know at some point their son's going to be watching in Australia. And where he's, been, he's been there for, what, 12 years now? 10, 12 years? You don't think he wants to come home? Of course he does. Is there anything wrong with coming home? Well, he's been called to ministry. Priorities. Following Jesus, let me put it this way. Following Jesus in ministry does not allow for divided attention. <clears throat> Amen. Now, and you all know, and I'm being, trying to be careful here and make sure I state this, but a man who loses his own family uh, has no ministry. Okay, so my first ministry is right here in the second row. Okay, this, my first ministry is to my, my children, my wife. And that's clear by, biblically, that's clear absolutely in there. Uh, and I've seen, preachers take that, I've seen preachers take this truth and carry it way too far, ignoring their own children to take care of, care of church issues or ignoring their own wife to take care of church families. And, and while I know there's a, there is a, a back and forth and there's some balance there, and some of you, uh, I'm, I'm sure some of you have ministry family, have seen some of those struggles of trying to make sure you're doing the right thing on both sides and you don't always make the right decision. But truthfully, if I lose this, okay, the requirements of being a pastor should tell you that. That there's a family requirement in pastor. So this is my first ministry. But beyond that, uh, you all are supposed to be more important to me than everything else. And making sure I got a retirement set in place. I'm making sure. And I'm, listen, I'm, I'm not. Please get me wrong. I'm not talking about me in particular. I'm just trying to use myself as an example. I, maybe that's. Maybe I'm doing that improperly. So uh, forgive me if I'm not trying to make this sound selfish. So you all take care of me. Uh, we we get a good paycheck, and I'm thankful for it. But the paycheck is irrelevant. And when I was talking to Brother Nathan, talking about places to go, 
you know, and he's starting praying about the Lord, feeling like the Lord is moving him out into the, the pastorate, and, and I was seeing it. I saw it before. I saw the Lord stirring up their nest before, uh, before they did. My wife and I both. When the tree fell on the house, my wife and I both looked at each other and went, uh-oh. The Lord's stirring up their nest. Getting them ready to go do something else. And I'm telling you, they cried. Their family cried over the loss of that house. They had a lot of good memories in that house. Kids born, Christmases, family over. And uh, we talked and I said, Brother Nathan, here's the deal. And I, he, it's a truth he already knew, but I wanted to make sure I state it. I says, where God calls you is way more important than how much you make when you get there. So you don't, you don't even talk about pay until you know you're supposed to be there. And then it's just the question about, do I need to go get a job to help take care of the things for my family? That's pretty much how you do it. Amen. And that's how I did it here. You can talk to the men that were a part of that. That's how preachers should be. If you are called to ministry, if God has called you to ministry, there is no room for divided, divided attention. Now, I'm thankful for, I'm thankful, very thankful. I've, matter of fact, I, I'll use <coughs> a, a fellow by the name of Brian Mills that was at, again, the church where I was an assistant pastor. Brian Mills was a, a church guy who had a ministry heart. He, 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 he went and he did his job. He had his own business. And he, he, he did, he made some pretty good money. That was beside the point. But when it came to the things, Lord, he had a ministry heart. And a church, a church needs people like that. A church needs people in the pews who are working their job. They're making money. Maybe they're making a lot. Maybe they're making a little. That's beside the point. But when it comes to the things of the church, they have a ministry heart. Those are good things. They, they like to see the, 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 the church advanced and the work of the church. They want to be involved in as much as they can be. And those are good things. And that does apply. I think, matter of fact, truthfully, I think all Christians should have a ministry heart. For some of you, that might mean just being a prayer warrior. And I, again, I'll, I'll, never, I'll never emphasize that enough. Being a prayer warrior at your house for all the things that are going on at this house. Okay? For others, that means that you need to be here and be involved. And those are blessed, wonderful things. But this passage is not talking about that. This passage is talking about if you want to follow the Lord and you think the Lord's moving you to be, to be in ministry, there needs to be some clear lines put out that say, if there's going to come a conflict between my ministry and this, there's no question. That I'm not even going to debate on it. Ministry comes first. Christ comes before <clears throat> all other priorities. So you want to be in ministry? You want to wish to follow Christ? I'm just telling you, this has done, this has done a few things to scare off uh, Brother Luke and I think Brother Trenton and I know my wife and others, but even Dakota can tell you, going to college with a whole bunch of group of kids who all want to get in ministry, you know, and after a while, they begin to see what's going on. And some of them end up working a job. That's not wrong. It's not wrong. Unless they have turned their back on a real call from God. I, I don't know how I could have, honestly. There was no other choice for me. But others have come in and said, yeah, I want to be in ministry. Wait, what? 
maybe, you know, I kind of like doing this over here. Maybe the Lord will let me do that. That's great. God will let you do that. Go do it. It's funny because one of the, one of the ways, I, I can't say it's a Bible, like there's a Bible clarity on this thing, but one of the common things we do is if someone comes up and says, how do you know you're called to ministry? You say, is there anything else you can do and be happy? You know what I'm saying? Could you go do this and that, that you'd be happy doing that? Yeah. Well, then you may not be called to ministry. Because <laughs> this is it. it. You know what this does? I, you know, if, when I'm looking at this passage, and it's a fallen condition focus. How can a man teach people to depend on Christ unless he is a complete example of doing that himself? Did you hear? Because does not God call all of us to take up our cross and follow him? Does not God call all of us to put our faith and dependence on him? Man has a hard time depending on Christ. Man generally has a hard time looking at... I, I, just, we even talked about it in Sunday school this morning. We, just, be, just be honest a little bit. Man has a hard time, even in Christmas... We talk about Christ being in Christmas, but in action and in our, our words, making Christ first. Well, we read the Christmas story before we do everything else. That's nice. He's first in the day, but is he also first in the rest of the day? We get caught up in everything else that has to do with Christmas, all the fun stuff. Uh, you hear what I'm saying? So when God calls people to ministry, he calls them and says, this is first. This is first. At first, I really honestly thought, I was reading through this, I had to read through and keep reading through because I kept thinking this is to all Christians, and the more I began to realize it, this is not talking to all Christians, this is talking to those who want to be in ministry with Jesus. Amen. I'm going to talk to you. Do you think God's calling you to ministry? Well, then other stuff's going to have to be left behind. God is calling you to turn your back on some things and put him in sole possession of your future. Before making money, before extended family, before, before a business, before occupation, before whatever, before your hobbies, the responsibility, you can't, you can't mix the two. It's amazing, there are a lot of people that try to mix the two. You can't mix the two. If you can mix the two, you're probably not called to ministry. You're called to be a businessman with a person, a ministry heart. And that's a good thing. But don't try to mix it. Amen. Now, does that mean that there might not be some preachers that might not have to work to support their ministry? Not every church can afford to pay somebody. Right? Because there's nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong with a man having a job if the church cannot afford to take care of him like they should, like the Bible teaches. Okay? But... It can't, it can't supersede his ministry. D- wasn't Paul bivocational? The Apostle Paul, who we know, did you know he was bivocational? When he traveled, he was a tent maker. How much do you hear about that in the New Testament? We just know that he was a tent maker. But when we think of Paul, we don't think of Paul the tent maker, do we? We think of Paul the apostle who wrote the epistles. I mean, my goodness. Amen. Paul. There's a few other thoughts. 
What about Abraham? I want you to leave your hometown. Come come to a place, I'm going to show you a different place. Pack up and leave. Where are we going? I'm not going to tell you. You hear what I'm saying? What about Moses? Moses, one of the princes of Egypt. You get to be that, or you can lead my people Israel. What about Peter? Think of, just pause here a sec. Let's just look at all the apostles. Do you realize that every apostle was called away from the family business, except for maybe Matthew, who had a money business? (laughs) They were all called away from the family business. Do you understand that James and John's father, unless unless he had other kids, that he was the last fisherman in their family? That do, think about these things. They were called to leave what was there. Every disciple had to choose between their family, family occupation and their ministry. What about Noah? <clears throat> I want you to build an ark. Ain't nobody going to believe this. I want you to preach to them. Ain't nobody going to believe that. That's okay. That's what I want you to do. Everybody's going to call me a wacko. That's all right. Going to preach for 120 years. Nobody's going to listen to you except for your family. What about Jeremiah? You want me to be a prophet, God? Cool. And God says, yeah, here's the next part. Nobody's going to listen to you. Go read Jeremiah. That's what, he, that's what God tells Jeremiah. Nobody's going to listen to you. But I want you to go preach. I can be a prophet of God. No, I want you to do my ministry, God says. Not what you think the ministry is. I want you to do my ministry. Wow. Let's go back to Paul for a sec. Paul was one of the most educated men in the Bible. Did you know that? And he didn't get to use his education for what he intended its purpose to be. God called him away from all the training that he had to do the Pharisee thing. Now God used some of that, obviously. Amen. Now, what else can I tell you? When you follow Jesus, you know what you do get to see? (laughs) Jesus. You get to see him change people's lives. You get to see him work in ways that other people only see linear in their own life. And as a, as a person in ministry, as, a, as from the pulpit, you get to have conversations where you see God work over there in that family and God work over there in that man and watching him step up to the plate and do something different and change their family. God work over there in an answered prayer. God work over there in, in, a, in a husband that gets saved. God, do you see what I'm saying? You hear what I'm you get, you get to sit with people when they're making some of their greatest decisions in their life. I mean, granted, you get to watch them make some big flubs sometimes too, but you know, that's just people. Because we're all people. I can say this. While I missed, I missed being with my parents, I don't regret it. There's no regrets there. I don't regret following the Lord. I don't regret my dad leaving uh, 
a business where we were, we were upper middle class, upper middle class, to go live in a 10 by 60 trailer in the middle of the number one drug town in Michigan and make our tithe. I don't regret that. God did good things for us there. I don't regret when God moved us out of a 10 by 60 trailer into a 40 foot fifth wheel. Yeah, but you had a house. Nope, that was the house. <laughs> 40 foot fifth wheel. I don't regret that. I don't regret that our first home was a 28 foot travel trailer. There's precious memories in that travel trailer. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's no regrets. God calls you to ministry. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. You want to be in ministry? Just give yourself to Jesus. You'll never be disappointed. I'm not saying it don't get hard. I'm not saying there's not times when you don't go, wish I could be like everybody else. I'm telling you, my wife and I, we can't even walk into a, straight, a church where nobody knows us anymore. Like you try to sneak in and sneak out, people say, you a preacher? What, is there like a stamp on my forehead? What? You know what I'm talking about? You can't hide, but it's all right. No regrets. <clears throat> one of the coolest things ever, I didn't think God would ever call me to Idaho. <laughs> Why? Because I liked Idaho. That's a beautiful state, man. And talk to people out here, and people pretty much tell you they're honest with you and not straightforward. People, where I grew up, that wasn't quite the case. I loved it, man. It was awesome. Well, God will probably never call me to Idaho because I like it. <laughs> where do I end up? I was like, I can't believe I get to live here. I'm telling you, you know how many times I stand up out of my office and I look up, especially this time of year, and I look out and I, I see the mountains off to the north covered in snow? can't believe I get to work here. So you want to be in ministry. You need to give up what you're holding on to. Give up what you're holding on to. Let God make the decisions in your life. You will never regret his choice. If you're going to be divided, probably never going to be happy. probably never going to be happy. Amen. So you're called. So I'll leave you with this. Just this one story. Some of you may know it. Some of you may not. Um, You know the Adoniram Judson, some of you may know his story. He kind of started amongst Baptists a little bit more of the the missions movement. I know that there were others earlier involved, Robert, Robert Moffat and such of that. But Adoniram Judson stirred more in our hearts about going to the field. And, of course, some of you know the story of him being, you know, how many wives he buried on the field. I mean, just unbelievable. But he stirred the heart of a guy by the name of Borden. And I've got his, I've got his uh, uh, biography in my office, I believe, unless I've given it away. But this guy named Borden, he got, he got a, a heart for the area around India where... where uh, Adoniram Judson was. I don't remember if it was uh, Myanmar. Uh, I don't remember if it was Myanmar, Burma, or one of those, but Borden. The problem was 
Borden was the primary um, son to inherit the Borden Empire. Now, you all know what Borden is? You ever buy butter made by Borden? Milk made by Borden? Yeah, that family. That's the family. And he went home and began to tell his dad. He said, Dad, he said, I think the Lord's working on me about going into ministry and serving the Lord. And his dad said, not my son. What do you mean? He said, you leave here. He said, you, you walk away from everything. You don't have the family. You don't have the money. I'm going to write you out of my will. It's over. That's pretty harsh to think about, isn't it? The ultimate end of the story is, Borden said, I've got to follow what the Lord wants me to do. And he ended up being a, mis- a missionary, watching thousands of souls get saved, and got cut off from his family. According to him, he never regretted a bit of it. I think of John and Betty Stan. Devoted their lives to uh, go to China as missionaries when China was communist. They, they met each other, liked each other, thought they were falling in love with each other, but God called them to separate parts of China and they knew what they had to do, what God wanted them to do. And so off they went, separate parts of China. God brings them back together and it's getting worse. The United States government tells them they need to leave and they said, no, God has called us here. Here. To serve here. And they ended up going to heaven early. But left behind, listen, they left behind a ministry that lasted. I don't think they regret it. Matter of fact, the book about their life, they say, they don't regret it. You're not going to regret it. You serve Jesus. You serve Jesus. There's no regrets. But you've got to make sure there's no divided attention. So there's some stuff you're going to have to turn your back on. Walk away from it. Stuff that other people can't walk away from, you have to. Amen. Let me ask you as an, an everyday believer, those of you who aren't called to ministry, you realize that God also has called you to bear your cross and follow him. I wonder if there's some things that you might be hanging on to that to you are real important. And God's asking you to just take another step, leave some things behind, and do what I ask you to do. See if you don't find joy. There is joy, joy, joy in serving Jesus. Amen. Amen. So you're called to ministry. So you think you're called to ministry. God's good. God is good. Turn your back on other stuff. Quit being distracted and just go serve him. Father.